you see where your business can go. To get there, you may need another 10 trucks. At Century Insurance, we put more than 115 years of industry experience to work to help protect you as you launch a new delivery service or expand into a new region and reach your business goals. Century, right by you. Property and casualty coverages are underwritten and safety services are provided by a member of the Century Insurance Group, Stevens Point, Wisconsin. For a complete listing of companies, visit Century.com. Policies, coverages, benefits, and discounts are not available in all states. See policy for complete coverage details. Welcome to Mouth Off, a podcast brought to you by Forget-Me-Not Productions. Mouth Off covers a wide range of topics from mental health issues and substance abuse to sexuality, race and religion. My name's Clary Sadler. On today's episode, I'll be talking to Brixton-based singer-songwriter Jessica Wilde. Jessica fuses rap, and spoken word into her unique, raw and honest songs. She signed with Sony ATV and has collaborated with the likes of Rudimental, Kizo, Emily Sande and Tough Love. She's also written for renowned K-pop label SM Entertainment. Jessica has been described as a torchbearer for a fresh, true-bred style of rap, soul and R&B with some brutally honest lyrics, melding her sharp-witted lyricism through spoken word and rap alongside her more familiar, husky and powerful singing vocals. Jessica's debut album, Sober, Wasted, Wasted, Sober, is out now. It's opened a gateway into her past by returning full circle to her Brixton roots through the mad parties, addiction toxic relationship, self-loathing, embracing her bisexuality, self-love, getting sober. Within this album, she covers it all, fully exposing and utilizing her authentic self-expression. Please note, the album was actually dropped on the 11th of March 2022, rather than in February, as stated within this interview. into my gig with a smile I couldn't miss we locked eyes and that was it told me you were from LA only here for a two week stay we met up the next day, dub gigs and parties two in the moment that we hardly noticed the days go by, soon you board your plane and fly back to LA coming on the podcast we got there in the end with the dates yeah <laughs> yeah brilliant so um yeah I guess I, I usually start off these interviews just with quite a broad question and you can either t- uh, choose to answer it sort of in relation to you personally or you as an artist or both but a, a, just a, a description in a nutshell okay <laughs> of who I am yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> um, I am a 
soulful, wild woman, <laughs> born and bred in South London. And yeah, <laughs> is that enough? Yeah, yeah, great. And how would you describe your musical style for any listeners we have that might not be familiar with you? My musical style is a combination of like soul, some jazz, because my mum's a jazz singer, um, hip hop. I, I do rap and spoken word and I sing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then it has other elements sprinkled in it, but they're probably yeah. the main ones, probably some R&B as well. crash course in you <laughs> yeah <laughs> and um yeah and just reading up on your forthcoming album which will be your debut is that right yes debut album and is that due out in uh, it's actually coming out now in february oh fantastic excellent it was meant to be december but yeah we had to yeah there are a few things along the way when you're releasing music over a whole year a lot mm-hmm. can happen yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's coming out actually on my two-year sober anniversary now, so it fits with the theme. Excellent. Yeah, I was just going to say, so it kind of like, you know, it tracks your journey um, to your sobriety and, you know, kind of bearing, bearing your soul, really, in relation to, like, your inner demons and and your journey so far. So, I mean, it's not really a concept album. It's kind of a just a personal, almost tell-all album. But can you tell me how it came about? Like, did you kind of go... I've been through all this stuff and do you know what, I'm going to sort it out through the music? Or did you just write all this kind of content that had that theme and then you went, wow, this would work as a as a piece, as an album together? Yeah, I I had this, well, I'd been writing quite a lot of um, like spoken word, I guess, mm. almost like poetry. Um, and I had these one, this one set of lyrics that I took when I went to do some sessions at the Sony studios in Amsterdam and I was working with this new writer and uh, he's a musician and yeah I just remembered I showed him one of the lyrics I had and it was about my ex um, 
and when I was with my ex, that was the kind of times when it was, uh, you know, things got pretty wild in terms mm. of taking drugs and like just going into a pretty dark place. Um, and yeah, he just loved the story. Like when I showed him the lyrics, I, I was thinking to make it into a song, but he was like, when I read them to him, he was just like, nope, you just got to say it like how you just read mm. it to me. And it was just all in my little scrapbook from where I'd like written it all down. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that kind of just set off this whole journey really. Um, and then I kept kept writing more because I, I, I used to rap and do spoken words when I was a teenager, but it kind of came back around for this project. So it feels quite authentic in that way. Mm-hmm. I said too much. Too many double rums got poured in my cup. I don't even remember half the night. Just that I should have left sooner. Before you had to carry me into that Uber Before I got real inappropriate Before I forgot where we were Who we were with And before I went and spoke some shit In front of your mum and your fiancé If she didn't know about our past She does now, I'd say Sorry, bro When I'm drunk, I get kind of frisky Should have laid off mixing that whiskey Or at least stayed at the level of tipsy I know I went too far Pouring out my heart I would take it back but I Yeah, so, I mean This podcast We, we have a lot of musicians on I, I possibly because that's my background as well I'm you know I'm into songwriting um write poetry so I've had a couple of poets on I've had a few writers on but yeah it tends to be musicians but I I suppose like the the through thread with the guests we have on is where I mean we're a podcast for marginalized groups I like I use that term broadly you know we've had men on we've had white men on it's not like sort of looking at specific yeah. marginalized groups but just I guess anyone that feels marginalized I had a like a folk singer on talking about his struggles uh, he's Californian singer-songwriter Matt Costa and just trying to infiltrate the mainstream in the states which obviously is a you know, like a massive market to crack um so yeah we were kind of talking in it like being a, on the musical margins but um I guess my first question to you then, or second question would be, do you consider yourself marginalised in any way? It could be like as a musician, because of your personal struggles, as a woman, I don't know. Or maybe you just, nah, you know, nah, I'm not marginalised, that's not me. Um, when you say marginalised, what do you mean? Like sort of feeling like an like a sort of outsider? Yeah, or? outsider, on the margins, kind of unheard for whatever reason. We have a lot of, you know, like I've had um, dis- disability activists on talking about, you know, um, one one guy I had on, Kieran Fitzgerald, is a disabled playwright, and he was just talking about um, representation of disabled people in the media. They're not there, but when they are, say you've got something in a in a TV show, they tend to have non-disabled actors playing the part of a disabled person, and how unfair that is because there are a lot of talented disabled actors out there. So it's kind of like talking about issues like that, and you know I've also had female musicians on just talking about their experiences in a as a woman in a male dominated industry so yeah i kind of use that term broadly and whatever that might mean to you or maybe it it doesn't feel like a label that you know fits you
there's a couple of few things that I guess I think um for one thing, actually, going sober, at first I felt quite marginalised because I felt like my whole um, identity of who I was and the circles that I hung in and the things that I did and, like, you know, I was outgoing Jessica, like, when, you know, when she's drunk and whatever, and suddenly it was kind of like, who am I? And, mm. like, I didn't feel like I could be connected to some of the people I used to be connected to. Yeah. Um and yeah also I wouldn't want to go out to certain places you know because mm. yeah obviously it would be a um yeah just like a temptation or um or I just wouldn't feel feel connected to those people in the same way um yeah I think that that's definitely made an impact but it's definitely helped me to build my confidence mm. and accept being marginalized <laughs> except yeah. being the person on the outskirts and actually enjoy all of the benefits of that you know yeah um, also the, the other thing that does come to mind is my mum is um so my mum is mixed race and she comes from my nan comes from an island called Saint Helena which is one of the smallest islands in the planet in between South America <laughs> and South Africa right <laughs> and um there's 4,000 people there it's a little tiny volcano and um yeah there's I mean over this past year there's been so much with uh race and you know mm. all of that stuff and my, my brother's dad is Ghanaian my mum's mixed race my dad's Scottish mm -hmm. so we're a very like mixed heritage family my, my oldest brother's dad's from Portsmouth and um yeah we're all different shades yeah. and um yeah I guess um there's been times where I felt very like in the middle, like I look white to most people. Some people will say like, oh, you've got something in you, but you know, <laughs> they just, I'm kind of, yeah, not feeling like, mm -hmm. feeling a bit um, like it's very much part of who I am and, mm -hmm. you know, um, but never really knowing how I can be in those situations, you know, like, um, yeah. But anyway, another thing, though, that's just made me be like, you know what? It is what it is. I am mm. who I am. And people can it, it can take what they want. You know, yeah. everyone's got the right to their own view and opinion. So, yeah, no, definitely. Definitely. And yeah, it can certainly relate to what you've just said about. I mean, I'm in my 40s now, but certainly in my my uh, my early 20s to mid 20s, I just come out as as gay and spending a lot of time on the scene with a specific type of group that we're used to interacting and behaving in a certain way and you fall into patterns of being and habits of being and you like you, you let's go on a mad bender everyone kind of expects a certain that this is what we do we we go out we go clubbing we take an ecstasy tablet or whatever you, you know, know and just, just have a mad time roll up at you know 10 o'clock the next morning and, and that, that's a night out and when you step away from that you know I wouldn't have considered myself as having any addiction issues but just that whole thing of not knowing when to you know <laughs> when to say stop yeah. and just taking a step back from that and and you know almost kind of going yeah that was me in my younger years and I'm going to focus on my career and family and you know and what have you it, you almost either have to sort of draw a line, just stop going to those places, like yeah. you say, to take temptation out of the way, or just kind of own it and go, yeah, I can still be that mad person. I don't need to be, you know, drinking 10 aftershocks and <laughs> whatever to to be, to get there. You know, it, it's a funny, a funny one to balance, isn't it?
Yeah, exactly. It's something I've actually managed to crack now. So I've been yeah. going out. Sometimes I'll get in recently at like 5 a.m. Yeah. sober. <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> but yeah, and then I have like a sober hangover, but it's it's nothing like when I used to drink, you know, like yeah. that, that hangover back then was like, no, what did I do last night? What did I say? Now I'm just like tired, you know, but um, but I found my my flow with it now. So I'm enjoying it again. Yeah. Why'd you fuck with me, baby? No attention, you're shady. Last night I called your phone up, cause you did not pick up. All these nights got me sleepless, and your lies are my weakness. You got me falling. But, but, baby, why you gotta be so cruel to me? Why you gotta cut me oh so deep? Why? Oh, why you gotta be so cool? Oh, why? Why? Oh, why you gotta be so cool? Why be so cool? Try to fuck with me. to your single cruel and so it discusses what you consider like a your most toxic relationship that was almost like controlled by the addiction um and also linked to you sort of identifying as bisexual and that that being intertwined but you know ultimately (laughs) kind of being a bad thing (laughs) um how did that whole experience like that coming out as bi and realizing that but then also realizing actually this is really bad for me <laughs> and you know my health how did that impact on your just general mental health in dealing with things like sexuality and sort of you as a person and self-identity there and all that there's no light in this room no 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 but it's all Cause I'm with you, oh, you, oh, but this day is starfish on the floor. I can hear the waves crashing on the shore. There is no light in this room. Saturday and Sunday, do we call it love? Well, for the meantime, maybe it's a little unconventional, mainly driven by sexual, recreational needs. See, let's face it, we ain't talking marriage and kids now. No vows, cause commitment don't fit this. But your body fits mine though, and the feeling that I'm feeling on this high is so right. Let's ride, don't worry about the mess of our lives tonight. Um. Well, I never saw being, well, wait, hold on. Um, <laughs> so that relationship actually gave me the opportunity to come out. So it was a positive thing. Okay. Because before then I was, I knew that I was attracted to women, 
but I hadn't gone there and I hadn't really told mm-hmm. anyone. So when my ex came around and she was very much gay <laughs> and yeah, obviously it gave, you know, it, it gave me the opportunity to then, I, ca- I came out with it, but I was very shy at first about it. I felt very like judged, you know, even mm-hmm. though no one really said anything negative, I was, I was quite embarrassed, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's nothing obviously to be embarrassed about, but as a young person, you know, it's mm-hmm. like, it can be hard to come out with with that um but yeah I mean um I don't know yeah the the uh oh, wait hold on how what, what's the question again <laughs> I guess yeah I was just wondering you know like I guess a relationship that had a, a really massive positive like just you kind of realizing your true identity but then also having the negative association of it was this sort of toxic thing that that led down a path of addiction. You know, those two, almost like a juxtaposition of two conflicting things. How did that impact on your just your general <laughs> mental health? Um, like, yeah, was so, it a complete head fuck? Or, yeah, when I know, was in that relationship, there were obviously some good times. But yeah, I mean, we were we were on drugs and drinking a lot. Um, and yeah I don't know I mean now when I look back I realize how much I got from that relationship Mm. because going to that dark place and maybe having a relationship like that so early on just taught me a lot Mm. I didn't straight away like suddenly change my life around after that relationship it took me a few more relationships (laughs) but it did it was I feel like it's such that's why I kind of the the first spoken word song that I had fueled uh, from that relationship was kind of like the start of this story mm. like the album story because I guess it is about relationships and that was when I really started taking drugs and stuff so it was all very much entwined yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah I don't know I think um, I think all I can say now is that that yeah I, I learned a hell of a lot and I, and I like that I can you know empathize with people as well if mm-hmm. they're you know in them kind of situations and stuff I can I can understand that Um, and yes it's brought me to now I guess getting quite deep into like spirituality and now I'm sober and I'm very much about my health and Mm. yeah I can can share that journey with other people you know which I think is the is the best thing yeah I jumped on the bus to tell her I cared Banged her door, looked through the letterbox She weren't even there Told me last weekend she was at home sleeping Fucking liar, my heart raged with fire I was sick of the sequels, it was more than my ego Call me crazy, but don't dare call me baby Someone answered her phone She said she was alone, then she let it ring out I met the sound of the tone I cried rivers that night Tried to justify her lies, fuck knows why I'm there wiping black mascara from my bloodshot eyes I was thinking, how can you love somebody else When you can't even love yourself How can you love somebody else When you can't even love yourself The flat looked like a squat, but she never saw it I let so much slide, hated myself So thinking about the the journey of the album and and how that kind of, like you said, almost tracks the various relationships that then got you on the the path to your sobriety 
Um, yeah. uh, particularly thinking of the song, Fuck You, I'm Sober Now, which, you know, is like a, a really good sort of middle finger <laughs> to an ex. That's the kind of, yeah, perfect middle finger to an ex song. Um, you know, I mean, you've kind of brushed upon it, but what was it? What point did you get to that the, the switch flipped and you went, you know what, I don't want to be waking up at 11 o'clock wondering what I did and having this doom <laughs> looming over me that something terrible's happened while I've been in this state. You know, at which point did, did you kind of flip the switch and go, that's it, Fuck I'm you, done. I'm sober now, turning my life around. Maybe you might not like it, but I'm wearing it like a crown. It's been three weeks on the wagon Five if you don't count that relapse in Berlin Couldn't help it, birthdays go well with gin Reckless weekends keep descending Into nightmares with no ending Not anymore, I'm off the draw No more cocktails and weed, I'm on the mocktails and tea But I can't help hands from shaking Maybe it's a spiritual awakening Rising like we're keen, flying with my feelings Babes, you know what? I think this is just what I was needing Fuck you, I'm sober now Turning my life around Um, it was definitely a, a, a process, like it didn't suddenly mm-hmm. kind of, but I knew I wanted to go sober for, for a few years and I kept, it was, then I started changing up my health and stuff. I got really bad, severe eczema as well and I damaged my vocal cords. So that definitely helped. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, but then there was a few times I kind of went sober for a few months and then I relapsed and I'd go on like a, crazy three-day bender and then I'd be sober again for ages but then yeah I don't know some there was a switch right right towards the end and I actually met this guy who I had this fling with and he he was sober and he told me that he'd been going to AA and when I met him I was still I was drinking quite a lot while I was with him and I was suddenly like oh my god what am I doing that I'm not Anyway, it just brought to light a lot of things for me. And then I had one last blowout in Berlin for my birthday, which had already been planned. I like really wanted to go sober, but it had already been in, you know, booked and everything. So I thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and allow myself mm-hmm. to get completely obliterated. <laughs> and yeah, it was, it was so bad that, yeah, I, I haven't drank since. <laughs> And that was like a year and a half ago. In a part of me was like, maybe I can do Berlin sober, and then I just mm. completely went the other way. But yeah, in a way, it was good because, um, yeah, like I, I was really sick after that trip, so mm. it, I think it like, felt feel like it was like a sign, you know, like yeah, yeah. The end. <laughs> <laughs> definitely, yeah. So, do you think your experiences with with addiction and with substance abuse? or just your experiences in life have defined you as a musician. I'm, I'm more thinking like sonically, the sort of choices you make in terms of style. Um, or I guess a way to word it better is, would your sound still sound like you if your life had been sort of all sunshines and lollipops? <laughs> um, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't think anyone's life is all sunshine. A lot mm-hmm. of <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I guess the style of my tracks are kind of like, 
if I think of more like hip hoppy artists, mm. um, even like people like like Miss Dynamite or Lauren Hill, or all these people, their 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 um, music is a bit more raw. Like it's not uh, not raw. Sorry. Um, well, it's a bit more raw. It's quite honest in the lyrics. Yeah. And the music has quite a like live element to it as mm. well. You know, but it's got like that really kind of yeah hip hoppy soulful feel so i guess maybe those kind of artists have have influenced me and I, maybe because it is more of a kind of raw storytelling sound some of mm. it um naturally i've gone to those kind of sounds i don't know <laughs> yeah <laughs> 15 and wild a reckless child we'd roam the streets through the night kiss beneath the moonlight get drunk in the park high on love and other stuff Dragon Stout and Sovereign Kings, I gave you up and all those things. I watched you fuck with other girls and shamelessly deny. You clouded my world with your barefaced lies. I cut myself just to see if you noticed that it bleeds. Oh, the need, the shame. I felt helpless to say it. Feed me, baby. Feed me your love again. I may as well get another fix, another fuck, another empty night of empty love. You should, you should know better. You should walk away. You should. And I suppose I think there's like, you know, there's some of what I would consider the great um, musicians, the great storytellers through music, you know, would be people like uh, the Beatles, Bob Dylan, um, Jim Morrison, you know, people that have all indulged in substances, some of which, you know, they claim to have done to sort of fuel and enhance their creativity some of which created kind of weird and wonderful music as a result of the sort of experimentation with, you know, mind-altering drugs and LSD and whatnot. Um, I guess in your case, certainly with the work you've been doing on this album, it seems like the sobriety has been the main muse, certainly for some of the tracks. Um, did you think, like, the music became the outlet for for the demons? <laughs> or was it sort of... The, were the demons like the driving force for your music you know um yeah definitely I think my music's always been a sort of outlet it's always been like a therapy you know mm. um and yeah I think it's a balance because it is the sobriety that inspired my music but then it's also the other side of it that inspired yeah. me because I wouldn't have the sobriety <laughs> without the other side so yeah, <laughs> yeah it's the yin and the yang um, <laughs> uh but yeah I mean hundred percent like when I wrote you know some a lot of the spoken word pieces that I wrote it was like me like sitting on the tube and like you know feeling really pissed and like writing mm. it down being like I'm gonna write a spoken word about you and just like because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to tell you know express how I was feeling to people in face to face you know so I would just like write about it and that was my way of yeah releasing mm. you know let me tell you about this boy me running around like I'm some fool. Oh, he's so mysterious, he turns me on, but I can't be, I can't be used. The lies on the screen is how I got you out. Feel like cutting you while hugging you. Just for you. 
Collaborated with some, you know, some great songwriters and producers, um, Jane Ebler, Kira Houston, Cy Hilbert, and the list goes on. Yeah, uh, I was wondering, you know, as a female artist and as someone who's sort of a an advocate for like empowerment, the empowerment of women, um, how did you or how do you ensure that your creative voice is heard? And, you know, I mean, maybe this sounds sexist of me to say, but it tends to be a male-dominated industry. Um, my experience of working producers is they have exclusively all been men. I've yet to find a, a sort of female producer to collaborate with. And and there's often, you know, several of you in the room. So <laughs> I'm wondering, how do, you, how do you kind of put those boundaries down and go, this, this is my art this is my creative decision I want to be a part of this process and how do you get your voice heard you know with the musical decisions I mean obviously the lyrics are your lyrics but in terms of like directing the the sound and the whole production yeah um yeah I have been in positions before where I really didn't feel like I had a lot of creative control on that side of things at all but that didn't suit me well <laughs> um, so well I mean one thing I actually have did do was I taught myself to produce so often I will get down the initial ideas on logic I'll write and I'll so the new project I'm actually working on with a guy called Maverick Quest um he's a really amazing producer a lot of the stuff I'll bring in initial ideas mm -hmm. and it will already have the song mapped out and then he'll add like his juice to it and yeah take take it to another level um so I found yeah that's a really good way and also I think it helps as well with like needing to um uh what's the word translate like what you have in your head you know mm. if you know a bit more about production um so yeah that's that's something that I, ha I have done actually which has helped a lot with that <laughs> yeah was that sort of a has that been a le learning curve curve over the years or was that like a lockdown project because I know I um sort of mastered <laughs> logic during the lockdown when there wasn't much else to do um or, or would you say you were on that journey sort of pre-pandemic yeah, and no, I've been yeah producing for a few few years. Yeah, and do you produce for other artists? No, no, no. I don't. I don't really put out there that I produce. Yeah. You know, but I, but actually, I will with this next project. Yeah, yeah, I will. Yeah. I mean, you said earlier that you, when you first sort of started, um, like jotting down ideas in your notebook, um you'd intended it for it to be like a spoken word project or a poem that kind of thing um i i wondered what your views are on spoken word and why you didn't go down that route i mean i know it's sort of a little bit niche and you know not not everyone's listening to spoken word stuff on you know spotify or whatever is there a reason you kind of went actually no i'm, I'm going to i'm going to turn it into into something musical and and not go down that sort of poetry road um, yeah, so I actually didn't intend it to be a spoken word project. Oh, um, sorry. 
Yeah, no, I wrote I wrote lyrics which were kind of like spoken word. Like, I, ah, right. I actually wanted to turn them into a song, um, but when I read them, they, oh, and it was hard to turn them into a song because it was such a story and there were so many words and it was like it was meant it was just meant to be a spoken, spoken, yeah, a spoken yeah. piece. Yeah, I am. Um, I never saw myself as a spoken word artist. Okay, so, yeah, this project's just. I guess it's just the. Yeah, my style kind of goes in between a sort of more spoken sound and a rap sound. Yeah. Um, and that was just something as it came through, then I wanted to incorporate it throughout the project. But yeah, as I say, I used to rap, you know, and do yeah. kind of sp this spoken style when I was younger. So yeah, yeah, it's just come back around. But um, yeah, so actually it was the other way around. I was trying to make my spoken piece into a song so okay. it could be more like commercial or whatever, uh -huh. but it just didn't work. So yeah. I gave you all of my power, but now I see all the ways that I coward. And I'm taking it back, no longer the fool. Baby, you're cruel. But it actually, I mean, like listening to it, it, it really works because, you know, I might, as a, as a listener of music, be put off by rap personally but the fact that it wasn't that you know like I liked the kind of casual spoken nature of it it, it made it more accessible like for me yeah I, I think I just didn't want to really like to label it so I kind of do just call it like sort of spoken word slash rap yeah because some of the flows are different some of them are more on the beat and more uh -huh. rhythmic which is more rap style I guess yeah yeah some are like just free spoken but also I wouldn't like when I listen to spoke it's funny actually because I have been getting invited to a lot more spoken word events now to perform mm -hmm. yeah so I can see how it's naturally becoming part of my thing which I'm I don't mind at all um yeah. but some the way spoken word artists do it I feel like when they're solely focused on spoken word it's quiet it's got this kind of rhythm to it and like they pronounce words in a certain mm. way and da, da, da. but yeah I, I don't see myself like that I, I just mm. speak yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah kind of that um oh, what's her name or oh, Lily Allen you know some of the stuff that she used to do early on which was kind of virgin on spoken word slap yeah I, I like that style <laughs> yeah um I'm dating myself now with that reference. <laughs> so just to continue with the theme of empowerment um, and female empowerment, um, I was really enjoying listening to your song Body, which, you know, continues with that theme. And it's an important, I think within like the music industry, it's really important thing to discuss because you know so many women feel pressured and not just young women entering the industry you know women of all ages feel well whether it be pressured or just like there's an obligation there if they're making a certain brand of music and a certain genre that sort of sex sells and almost objectifying themselves and owning it that's okay then to sort of use that that sexuality to sell the music and yeah, it's kind of exploiting their own bodies. And I always, like, respected the fact that Madonna used to say, it's not exploitation when I do it and I'm owning it. And I've got a lot of respect for that, that kind of thing. But yet it does send a message out to particularly younger artists that 
who might not realise that they are owning it and people like Madonna are, are doing it with a purpose, that, um, that's the expectation and almost the music becomes secondary. <laughs> and I just, well, a long-winded question, but I suppose what advice would you give to, to yes. those particularly younger women entering the music scene and thinking or feeling that there's a pressure there to objectify and sort of, yeah, make themselves a sexual object in order to progress, I guess. I wanted nothing more than your affection, love and attention, to enter your dimension. A fantasy ran away with me, my head's in these clouds, these dreams, but I wake in my bed, no sleep. When we were alone, it was like I was yours. But turns out, it was only behind closed doors. You showed your truth, true colors the proof. Yeah, you reeled me in, only to cut me loose. If all you want is my body, then I'ma find somebody. Some bad vibes Second guessing what you're thinking But you hold my stare When our bodies are bare naked On top of me In that moment No in between You don't listen for long Busy singing your song Don't you get tired Of your own voice I think You've Got to follow the feeling that it gives you mm-hmm. <laughs> I think if you're asked to do something and it really really makes you feel uncomfortable and people yeah and people around you are still trying to make you do it and it's to do with like taking certain clothes off and stuff like that like um I think yeah it's really about getting really really in touch of like who you are and what your values are and what you want to portray and why you're doing music you Mm. know um I don't know because people have people have different things you know some girls just want to be famous but that's all really Mm. an illusion but you know then they might be well up for doing that Mm. other women yeah it's like kind of forced on them as part of what they're doing to potentially sell more but yeah I think really and truly I don't know you just got to go with like if something feels uncomfortable, sometimes it can take a, a while to build up that willpower, but you have to, you know, set your boundaries and, and say no, mm-hmm. <laughs> which I think is getting better and better, you know? And then yeah. again, if you, if you know, you're Cardi B, I mean, I don't know. She seems to be pretty comfortable with herself. Not saying that she's the best, the best uh, inspiration. I probably wouldn't mm-hmm. call her that. <laughs> Mm. but you know she's she's doing her thing and she seems to want to do that and yeah everyone has a right to do what they want to do but um yeah you never say for certain always pull down the curtain the veil i get it you want to protect how you feel but i need truth something real 
I don't need smoke screens, what sugar coated? Please give me something to put my hope in. Come now, don't lose it. Give me that movement that's got me choosing you. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, I was like that Megan Trainer song, all about the bass, where she's there, you know, she's a, I mean, I would, she's hardly plus size, but I suppose in the world of, <laughs> in the world of music, um, she was on the larger size. And I just love the fact that she's there, scantily clad, saying, you know, big booties are great and owning it. And I kind of, what would you, I mean, as someone that, you know, is a role model yourself as a as a female artist, what kind of message do you want to be putting out that you maybe hope that, that younger artists or female artists might be taken on board? Is, is there a mission statement there? <laughs> um, I think, yeah, just really like doing what feels good to you. And that might take doing a few things that don't feel good to learn what feels good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Um, but yeah, and I think just, yeah, like really thinking about before anyone else comes in and puts their whole thing on what they think you should be doing, like really getting clear on like, even if it's like, before I did this project, I did like this brainstorm on like, you know, how I was just different elements that I wanted to portray through this. And it, and it did include like, I, you know, I really want to be authentic now. I'd been in positions before where I, where I say men did completely take creative control and I hated it Mm. (laughs) so when I came to this project I was like right I want to mix in my you know I'm going to talk raw authenticity then there's also like the South London street thing mixed with like my spirituality like a sort of like an urban witch kind of vibe all of this Mm. stuff and then I put that into my branding and I put that yeah and and then it, um, also like thinking about the styles of music I, I wanted to do. I think just the more clear clear you can be on like what you want to bring through, the more that people can't really completely come in and like destroy that. I guess. Mm. Um, yeah. So like staying staying authentic. I think do what makes you feel really good and alive. You know. Mm. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if that's good advice but <laughs> yeah no, fab fab and, and what about I mean who did you used to look up to you know as a as a young person getting into into writing and that sort of thing be it a female role model or maybe a male role model or a musical or like you said your mum's a jazz singer I mean was there a specific sort of person that that really like impacted you and sort of helped guide you into the the path you've taken musically. Your lips pressed down on my skin is thunder. Protection worse than as I let you in. Deceiving 
lips pressed down. Yeah, I think definitely my mum actually was a big influence. Um because she's like a massive performer. Like when mm-hmm. she performs on stage, she's wild. Like she growls and she like, you know, she she'll do like Nina Simone feeling good, but it will just be she mm-hmm. her energy is just massive. Like it would just take over the whole room. Mm-hmm. And she'd always be really on to me about my performance and like looking mm-hmm. people in the eyes and like really, you know, owning your stage performance. Um and also, yeah, I guess like being authentic and all that kind of stuff. Um so yeah, she was definitely a big influence. Um, and then other people, when I was young, you know, even like Beyonce, I remember I loved mm. Beyonce because she was a big performer as well. Um, Tina Turner. Mm. And then people like Amy Winehouse, I really connected with. Um, oh, there were so many artists. Lauren Hill as well. Mm. Um, yeah, there, there's a lot of artists, but yeah, those, those are some of them. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, I guess, I mean, thank you for coming on and, and taking the time to chat to me. And is there anything, I know the album's just like you said, it's out February now. Is there, is there anything you want to plug? Or maybe there's, you know, like someone who hasn't listened to anything, where should they start? What would you say is a good introduction into Jessica Wilde? Um, a good introduction? Well, I think probably Instagram is... Uh, a good one and then yeah Spotify YouTube all of those usual places I guess Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and yeah I have another single coming out from the album next Friday the 8th of October called Down to Earth um and yeah I think just those those kind of places are the good ones to start with and it's I am Jessica Wilde with an E for everything (laughs) brilliant okay well I will put your links to your social media in the show notes okay thanks Jessica awesome all right thank you so much for having me thank you see you then bye-bye Join me next time when I discuss 
I Plus Matter, a heritage lottery-funded project developed by Forget-Me-Not Productions in partnership with T. Gwynne Special School. So when I Gaze first, first became um, commercially available, it was really um, mostly suited for, for people who were already at a level of using AAC and perhaps were using AAC with switches, switches being very effective but slow, slow and laborious. So to see how, how much they've progressed in the two weeks has been amazing. I think it's fantastic. The challenge is we need more like consistency. Constantly, and we need more, more technology things to come in for for the children to help them progress higher than where they already are. When I started making music with Forget Me Not Productions, it changed my life. Music transformed me. I feel like I'm finally using my brain properly. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino online. I was only playing for fun, so winning was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's favorite free online social casino. You too could have the chance to win life-changing cash prizes. Absolutely anybody could be like Mary. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumboCasino.com and play for free now. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of the winner.